Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. We all agreed yesterday there is one team that we feel like would be the consensus favorite team for the average NFL fan with no dog in the fight right now for the postseason. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. We are live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine with Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Shout out to Jakob Swanson, Jonathan Moulton for making the show happen on the video end. David Reed is the chairman of the board for us for the Outkick 360 radio network. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick 360. Guys, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals are an easy team to be pulling for. They get their first playoff win in 31 years. They've got their head coach handing out game balls to the entire city of Cincinnati, going into bars and hand-delivering it and giving a speech. You've got the the Ohio's own Joe Burrow being drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals and leading them to a wild-card berth and, and leading them to the championship of the AFC North, winning on the road at Baltimore, winning on the road in Pittsburgh, uh, and then winning down the stretch to lock up their division. It's hard not to root for them and a team like that with young talent and young star power and how much they've improved in year three of Zach Taylor's head coaching tenure for the Cincinnati Bengals. But it starts at quarterback, and it starts with the, the makeup of the young quarterback and the building blocks that they can now put around him. I think we all also agree there is a feeling as though the Bengals are a year ahead of where they were expected to be, but that's no knock on them. That's actually props to them for exceeding expectations in year number two for Burrow, who's coming off that ACL injury and doing it by not drafting the left tackle, by drafting the wide receiver, who's going to be the offensive rookie of the year, and then improving their defense by through free agency in the draft. Uh, all accolades and, and well-deserved. But guys, the, the qualities of Burrow are hard to ignore. Big arm, decisive, not, a, not afraid uh, of the big mistake, able to take a hit and get back up and, and continue a drive and just keep coming back for more. No one was sacked more than him. But yet he stands in the pocket, play after play, or he's on the move, play after play, and he's willing to let it rip and take the hit anyway. There, there's something to that that I think is very magnetic for the common fan and for a teammate of his. He's got kind of a Brett Favre-type swagger and fearlessness about him, but with not as many mistakes as Brett Favre would make. He, he's a future Super Bowl champion. I don't think there's any doubt. That's a trajectory he's headed on in his career. I also will say it's a mistake if Cincinnati fans think that just because they may be a year ahead of schedule, that this type of season or getting in this spot in the playoffs is going to be an annual occurrence, especially in their division. I don't think I have to tell them that with their long history of not winning in that division. But with Baltimore and with Pittsburgh, this is not going to be an every-year thing just because you got there a year early uh, with Joey Burrow. But I said in the preseason, guys, that this is a team I want to be good because I want 
to want to watch Cincinnati because their makeup is fun. Joe Burrow is a fun quarterback to watch. Jamar Chase is an emerging superstar. Uh, Boyd, Higgins, Joe Mixon is a great NFL running back. Go down the list, and this is a team worth watching. And Hutton, you hit on those intangibles. And, and I think that's the number one thing that when you mentioned Joe Burrow, it's, it's, a, it's an essence with him. It's not just numbers, right? It's, there's something different about him. There's something different about his press conferences. There's something different about him watching in the game, looking over the sideline and giving a wink at times. He's just a different dude, and he's fun to watch. I'm all in on the essence. I like the vibe. I think it's just what you want at quarterback, <clears throat> and it's terrific. We've talked about them making the right call on Jamar Chase at number four over Penne Sewell, who uh, wound up in Detroit, and that's where they need to go next. They definitely need to get better. And by the front. way, he was also really good this year. Yes. And so it's not a bad – No. Either pick would have been good, but this one was more impactful. Yeah. But they need to get better up front oh, yeah. to protect him. And look, I think there's a perception that he's good under pressure. What it actually is, I think, is that he gets up and the next down – He's pretty good that he, um, in the face of pressure, you know, keeps his eyes downfield, can move away from trouble, can, can make plays under pressure. But Hutton and I both separately um, have looked into what he actually does. Uh, I looked at just straight under pressure. Hutton looked at blitzing. And I presume you found something similar to what I found. What I found surprised me. After talking to Shane Bowen, the defensive coordinator of the Titans yesterday, who was very complimentary about what he did under pressure, after asking Jeffrey Simmons about him being so good under pressure, I find he's not that good under pressure, which I think should give the Titans some hope. I'll, I'll run through my numbers yeah. here, Hutton, and, and you'll build on this. Under pressure, and this is from Sports Info Solutions, one of the you know many great stat services out there that has a breakdown where you could simply check under pressure, yes, and get all the quarterback stats in the league when a guy's under pressure. Under pressure, no, and get all of his stats when he's not under pressure. So I did this breakdown. Under pressure, he's completing 58% of his throws for 910 yards, six touchdowns, six interceptions. That's a 75.56 passer rating. Bad. Without pressure, 119.27. Terrific. You want to put him under pressure, plain and simple. Don't don't buy the idea that you know he's terrific under pressure somehow. I think Chad, that moxie and that essence help you think and I'm sure he looks good doing it. I'm sure he's made some plays under pressure. I think he probably gets up from some of this pressure and then makes a play, which makes you feel like he's good under pressure. But the numbers say. You want to put him under pressure. He's not that good. And look, most quarterbacks are worse under pressure than they are of course. not under pressure. Actually, I was amazed to find Matt Ryan was actually better under pressure this year for Atlanta than he was not under pressure, uh, which tells you, you know, usually you're dumping the ball off or hitting a, a, a hot read or whatever. Well, it, but, Paul, you, you like to say just because this thing happened, you say this to fans, just because this good thing happened doesn't erase the four or five bad games of bad things that happened. I'll say the same about a big mistake under pressure. Joe Burrow is going to get up from that, and he's going to be fine moving forward. He's going to have a short memory. 
he's going to continue to have that moxie after the play. That's not going to erase the fact that he made a big mistake in the game. And when you apply pressure to him, you're upping the percentage of that happening. Right. So that could be the game-changing play. So obviously, yeah, you want to, and that's where the Titans have an advantage. Their most consistent feature this year of anything, as well as they ran the ball with and without Derrick Henry, is the pressure they've gotten from that front four. There were a couple lulls in it. But the best thing they have going for them are Landry, Dupree, Autry, Simmons. Two things that should and need to happen in this game. The Titans should and can run the ball against anyone, I think, Cincinnati included, and they should get to the quarterback. I mean, those are the two things that are going to affect this game more than anything, I think, and that's that's what they can do to Joe Burrow. Yeah, and I, I, I sent you a note during the break. The, 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 the pressure numbers are really intriguing, and there's an analytics guy at ESPN, I can't remember his name, but they were surface level because the, the, the pressure discussion also has to do with, okay, are you blitzing to get the pressure on Burrow? Or can you get pressure with him with, with four passes? Because it changes four the whole less. coverage equa- Four equation. or less, absolutely. And, and that's the key here. Uh, some, some, some of the numbers can be surface level. And if you dig a little deeper on if you're blitzing or not, and, and what I told Paul, and I think he's on to something here, the pressure numbers matter if you can get to him with four. Because against five or more, he actually has the ninth best passer rating among quarterbacks when under pressure. But with four or less, he's ranked 17th in the league because you can have one extra guy to cover. So you can cover with seven if you can rush with four, and if you get pressure on him, he's he's going to dial it back a bit. They're actually, Zach Taylor calls up more aggressive play calling when defenses are in a blitzing situation. Um, they average a league high five and a half yards per attempt when blitzed. And against cover one, they attack even more. If you're bringing the extra guy and you're playing man, they average 12 yards per attempt as an offense. But if you can play, if you can cover with seven and get a pass rush of four or less, and I say four or less because sometimes you see a three man front, that's advantage defense. And the Titans, to what Paul's saying, they're on to. They don't blitz uh, a lot. They don't blitz a lot. But they do mix up their coverages quite a bit. You know, man zone and and how they bogey in disguise. I, I think this is a, a great opportunity for the Titans who are coming in fresh. Um, the defensive front is fresh. Dupree is uh, playing at a level as of late that, that Paul can speak to. Over the last month, he's been more of a version of what they hope to sign than where he was to begin, which was still overcoming that ACL injury of last year. Um, that It's a Titan strength against a Bengals strength. Explosive plays and uh, a quarterback with a moxie and uh, a head on his shoulders that allows him to stay focused and keep coming back for more. It's hard to knock him out of rhythm. And it's a Titans defensive front that has been very consistent and much improved. I'm, I, I think that's matchup number one to watch, Paul. I do too. And uh, <clears throat> it's a miracle, really, if you think a year back, Titans going into the playoffs uh, against Baltimore. It was actually... Last week, the game, a wild card round. It was a team that came into the playoffs with 19 sacks. It was the second team in, in and the since 1980 that, that couldn't sack a quarterback. Uh, both, both defense have really improved that area. Yeah. You know, by the way, they, Vra- both, they both went through free agency and the draft to do it. Vrabel said earlier this week, the day I wasn't out there, um, that uh, looking back at the Cincinnati game last week made him want to puke. 
I, I, I could imagine. You know, the, the other thing that probably makes him want to puke is when he pulls up the defensive game plan, no matter who he's, whatever plan they had, they're rushing with Vic Beasley and using Jonathan Joseph at corner in that game. That was their last game. That was Joseph's last game. Cincinnati was uh, a, you a, almost positive. It was Joseph's last game. Here, I, know, I, know, I mean, look, I'm not saying I'm some soothsayer or something. I wrote after that game, they cannot go forward with this guy, and they cut him a, a, a day later. Here's what's interesting about Burrow and what he has a chance to accomplish and the path that he's on. Because I think we, we view through the lens of, okay, high draft pick, great quarterback, bright future ahead. But it's not like success comes easy or early to these guys. Aaron Rodgers lost his first playoff game before moving on to win the Super Bowl one year. You had Peyton Manning, who lost his first three playoff games and was awful in his first three playoff games. Russell Wilson had to go through it. Andrew Luck, he had to go through it and take his lumps in the postseason. Virtually everybody does. Ben Roethlisberger, terrible in his first playoffs. You know, they, they, that was uh, the ground game. That was, that was Jerome Bettis. Bettis going through Detroit and to the Super Bowl there with a young Roethlisberger. They won it that and year, then, right? He was they bad. won he it, was yeah, bad, but again, but they won it despite not him. good quarterback play overall. Patrick Mahomes lost his second career playoff game. He completed 52% of his passes. The intangibles are there for Burrow, but there's also, I mean, what he just accomplished in his first playoff appearance with winning the first playoff game in Cincy since, you know, in 31 years and the just going back to his home state and everything involved, I think when you put it in perspective with the other top quarterbacks that we've seen over the years and how long, in, in retrospect, I mean, through the lens of three or four games can be a long time. It feels like a long time if that's over a two- or three-year stretch. Burrow has a chance to, right out of the chute, take Cincinnati to the AFC championship. And I don't, I'm not even mentioning last year because of the ACL injury that took out half of his year. I mean, this is his first true full season and he's one went away from going and, and facing either Cincinnati or excuse me, either Kansas city or, or Buffalo for the AFC title. Also though, Hutton, the history you just laid out for those young quarterbacks in the playoffs, history shows that he's probably due to fall flat on his face this weekend. Sure. In game number two. I mean, if you're, if you're betting based on history of other young quarterbacks that turned out to be great quarterbacks in the league, then he, he had a good performance he's and a win in game one, with the win. and he's about to throw three picks and get sacked five times and lose going away in game two. Completely possible. I, I mean, I, I think... But also possible is that they, they connect yeah. with their three very capable receivers starting with Chase, but Higgins and then Boyd. Look, none of these and they games. Moved and they start fast. None of these games are easy to call, I, I, I would say. No, I, I, including, be a blast. including Green Bay, which I'm sure is the biggest spread. Um, and I, I think San Francisco, you know, understands a path to beating the Packers, which would be, you know, considered the biggest upset um, of, of, of the playoffs to this point and, and uh, imaginable in, in this weekend. We'll do some more digging on the on the pressure rate. Uh, that that's obvious key number one in this game, at least for me. Titans and Bengals. We, we'll have our three keys coming up tomorrow. Uh, Paul and I will for our uh, Titans to to win against Cincinnati and then host their first championship game in the AFC. Um, there there are so many areas to dissect with this matchup, and it starts with Burrow and can they disrupt him for Cincinnati. 
they're really banged up up front, although they get it sounds like they're getting Hendrickson back. Cleared concussion protocol. Cleared concussion protocol, so he's playing. But they're banged up on the interior, and you've got Henry coming off of injury and playing this week in the run game, a physical in the trenches type game. Is since you ready for that? Which could literally, we'll talk about, be a one-sided could run be. game. Yeah. When we come back, five big questions going into the divisional round of the playoffs that if you're definitive on some of these answers, you may know exactly which way you're picking these games as they get set to kick off on Saturday and Sunday. Five big questions to help determine the divisional round. That's next on OutKick 360. Five big questions for the divisional playoffs. OutKick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody, Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, and our entire crew. Hit us up on Twitter at OutKick360. If you were watching during the break, you saw Hot Dog Cam, or at least I think you did, with uh, Chad Withrow. I think they just uh, they, they took some video. I don't think they played it oh, live. Okay. Well, I saw the break. Oh, I demand live. But I know they were they were he they devoured were a hot dog. Yep. How was it? I mean, look, Daddy's dogs every time delivers. I'll show you who your I, daddy is. I got <laughs> the old boss used to say. I got the lone wolf, and it was terrific. Five big questions for the divisional round, guys. We we go rapid fire here. Um, and it puts in perspective what's at stake this weekend where every single game and every team represented uh, legitimately you can make a case for why they'll why they'll win. Let's start with this. Which head coach has the most to gain this this playoff run or even with a win moving forward, which has the most to lose? Well, uh, I mean, I think the obvious answer is Zach Taylor, most to win. It, third season, fourth season? Third Third season, you go to AFC uh, championship game as a Cincinnati Bengal. Uh, It doesn't happen there. They haven't won a playoff game in 31 years until last week. Then you win two um, and go to the championship game. at a massive deal. It raises him to a new echelon. uh, Starts to dull the, oh, you knew um, McVay. Uh, you, You were once in a room with McVay jokes. Uh, legitimizes him on his own, all all of that. Um, I think it does wonders for him. Wouldn't, I think, I wouldn't think, hurt Shanahan either. What about Vrabel? Well, see, Vrabel's that's a, pretty damn solid. I, I, I know. I, that's my answer. Who has the most to gain versus who has the most to lose? It's Mike Vrabel. Uh, Mike Vrabel in three years would go AFC Championship, uh, first round playoff, Super Bowl. Pretty good three years. And uh, Mike Vrabel's also probably going to be your NFL coach of the year right now, as is. Uh, but I'm looking at everyone. I, I think Mike Vrabel has a chance to solidify himself as not just the NFL coach of the year, but one of the best coaches in the we game. We're saying Super Bowl or winning this Well, weekend? just uh, the coach that has the most to gain just in the playoffs right right now. I, I, I would think it could, it could be Taylor. Taylor's not a bad answer in all this. Uh, it can be Vrabel if they go on a run. And the reason why I say if they go in a run, Vrabel is the he's the non-analytic coach that's still coaching right now. Everybody else in the analytics community, I think he uses them more than we think. I think he just he doesn't tout quietly. Them. Doesn't he doesn't tout, tout them. them and stand at the podium and and discuss these numbers. And see, I think Vrabel's secure as hell. Vrabel's going to coach his team fine. for a long time. He's going to get a big raise after this season. He doesn't yeah. need that's fair. playoff success here for anything. And so you know, I, I think I, we will Taylor be, could get fired in two years if he loses this game and things go south quickly. 
I, I think we will be unanimous on who has the most to lose. Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur loses this game. He's going to be, get labeled as strictly a regular season coach. Couldn't maximize it with one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Uh, look at all those regular season Rogers wins. 13, 13, and 13, and it didn't mean a damn thing. Yeah, to, to accomplish the first round bye and then not reach the pinnacle with Rodgers and that team after being a game short of the Super Bowl last year, to me it's a unanimous decision on most to lose a million percent. It would be Matt LaFleur. I think he's got to not just be in the Super Bowl. He's got to win it. I think it's no doubt that it is LaFleur because it is going to be seen as, uh, after a year ago, the way things ended for Green Bay, it will be seen as his fault. Uh, if mm-hmm. they were to lose early in these playoffs. And God forbid it come with a bad decision, like the field goal. Is run defense quietly the most important factor in all four games? We, we're we spending a lot of time on the matchup for the Titans and Bengals and run defense. But if you start to look across these matchups, so let's just go in order. You've got Derrick Henry against the Bengals run defense as one of the keys. San Francisco and Green Bay are both going to run the football, especially San Francisco. And early in the, it, we mentioned, you know, pre-snap motion is, is some things to watch. This is this is one of those areas in in that game where run defense comes to play a big factor, despite everything that Rodgers can do through the air with Adams. Um, on uh, games on Sunday, Cam Akers and the the great job and the the mentality that he the aggression that he was running with a week ago uh, against Arizona, now going against the top-run defense of Tampa Bay. And then can Kansas City take away Josh Allen's run lanes? You know, let's, let's focus on what Allen's capable of for Buffalo's run game. And if they take away Allen, does that make Singletary a non-factor in the matchup on Sunday? I, I don't know, like, the framing of the question. To me, it's so situational and, uh, and game-specific. And you can frame it so many different ways. Like Cincinnati's the fifth best overall run defense. But they're giving up the 13th highest run average. Yeah, they don't face many carries. Yeah, and so it doesn't make a lot of sense. They had seven games where they gave up 86 rush yards or less. But they have seven games where they gave up 103 or more. Four of those, they gave up 142 or more. So are they a good run defense? The answer is some days they're a really good run. Well, defense. I'm not framing it as is it about good run defense. I'm framing it as for the season. I'm framing it as is it an un, the most underrated key for all four games. If Cincinnati stops the Titans despite not being great at stopping the run, no matter where they're ranked, that's the reason why they'll win. Well, I think it's really big for Cincinnati. Yeah, I don't think it's as big. I don't think it's. Uh, let's put it this way. To your question, I don't think it's underrated for Cincinnati because it's the key of the game for them. But when you go into other games, yes, it's probably an underrated factor in the game. For instance, like you you brought up Kansas City against Buffalo and Josh Allen's ability to run. There it is an underrated key for Kansas City. I don't think it's underrated at all that Cincinnati needs to contain Derrick Henry uh, in this game. So I think it's game to game when you look at it. But to answer the question, absolutely, it is an important factor in all four games this week. If Singletary's good, Buffalo probably wins. And he's been okay. I mean, he's been yeah, he's hovering around life. 80 to 100 yards a game you pair over that the last with month. What, you pair that with what Allen does and you've had yeah, a if good If you can get 30 or 40 yards from Allen, then that they're humming. Um, 
easy to have a bias here in Nashville covering this on a daily basis. And I understand the 30,000-foot view of, of the Titans. But are the Titans actually the least respected team in these playoffs, given the fact that they're the number one seed, the columns and uh, the, the write-ups on this team are more about them being the worst number one seed that we've ever seen than what they've accomplished despite who they did not have on their roster. Are they, the, in fact, the least respected? Why or why not? By fans, by media? Just every, all encompassing. Yes. By fans and by media, they're the least respected. For sure. I don't think by football people. I, I, I agree with you there. I, I was going to say there's people, two answers to this question. They're highly respected, I think. But for the way they've gone about things, for the culture that they've built, for their ability to do it uh, differently, for their ability to operate quietly and in the background, which I think people are kind of jealous of. Fan-wise, I mentioned it with Armando. You know, Titans fans... For years, when the Titans didn't deserve a lot of respect, harped on the disrespect, disrespect, disrespect too much, where I, I told them over and over, don't, don't care so much about what national people think. This week, I think it's real and it's a fair, a fair complaint. The fastest path to end it is right here, though, for the team. Win this game, then, then you're hosting the AFC Championship. You win that one, you really shut people up. There's also a path here to amplify it. Get beat by the Cincinnati Bengals after you had the number one seed. All those analytic stories about being the worst number one seed and all of that, all of the, all those people retweet them. Hey, in case you missed this last week, here's what I said ahead of the Titans' loss to the, to the, to the Bengals. Um, that's it. I think everybody says, I like, Mike, uh, I like uh, Kyle Shanahan and I like uh, so-and-so and, and they say, I like Mike Vrabel, but... I can see, I, yeah, I can see where I see where you're we going. Get that there. impression, absolutely. So, uh, fans and media, without a doubt, they are the least respected team by fans and media. And I don't know that there's a close second that's left playing of these eight teams. Of, I mean, just just watch how media gushes over Kyle Shanahan, and I think Kyle Shanahan's a good coach. And McVay, yeah, the talent of the Rams, and then the McVay factor. I mean, go down the list: Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Tampa Bay, it's Tom Brady. No one's going to disrespect Tom Brady at this point. So, yes, media and fans, no doubt, Titans are the least respected. But, Paul, I'm with you. I think if you pulled the great teams that are left, you know, Kansas City, who everyone would say, fans, media, great teams, Kansas City, Buffalo, Green Bay, Tampa, football people, there is no disrespect to the Titans and how they go about winning. And the answer So I think there's two different answers. The answer is not as easy as, oh, they're they're the least respected because of the small market. The Titans are the largest market remaining in the AFC. That I mean, it's not small market crazy. syndrome. They're the they're the largest NFL market remaining in the AFC. That's so, a great point. You're the first one I've heard say that. That needs amplification. So Nashville now is officially bigger than Kansas City? They're the twenty fifth rated market among the thirty two teams. And the other teams are below them. I was having uh, this conversation. Buffalo's last, by the way. I was having this conversation with my wife driving through Kansas City. I think she asked, is Kansas City bigger or smaller than Nashville? And I'm looking at the downtown thinking, you know, it's a good question. I think it may still be a little bit bigger, but and it's not. That, that's, a great, that's a great fact. When I read that, I read that over the week. Um, I'll try to pull it during the, during the commercial and give them credit for it. But the, uh, it's one of these analytic sites that's, that's pointing to all the television ratings. Um, Guys, question uh, number four. Four of the six games last weekend, legitimate blowouts. Like, 
Not even close. What are we going to see this week? No blowouts? And we can we can discuss what we mean by that. Or multiple, like multiple double-digit type finishes this weekend. What's more likely based on the trends we've seen throughout the regular season? Which game is the most likely matchup to end in what we would term an NFL blowout? We're going to get at least one blowout this weekend, and it's going to be the Packers over the 49ers. I think the 49ers had all of the luck they're going to get in that win over the Cowboys. Uh, I think the Packers and Aaron Rodgers completely outclassed them. If I'm picking a game that's going to be a blowout, I think Green Bay wins by two or three touchdowns Saturday night against San Francisco. I think that's the obvious answer. That's the one I would say, but I'm not going to say it. I think three out of four will be close. I don't know which one won't be. I think they're all fantastic games. I, I think I Green Bay San Francisco is a dogfight. I think this I is a too. defensive battle. I think both offenses struggle early in this game. At cold, uh, Green Bay is going to want to run it uh, and run it heavy. I think San Francisco's built for that. I'm I'm intrigued to see what they can do in their run game with you know the the conditions. And then Garoppolo's got the thumb problem. Um, I, I again, I I think San Francisco's defense can hang with Green Bay, and I'm basing that off of what we saw earlier this season. Green Bay four, jumped out to a, a 17 point advantage, 17 seven at halftime earlier this year, and they were able defensively to make enough adjustments to allow their defense, to allow their offense to get back in it. Green Bay won, and they gave up some plays late. 30-28 was the final on a game-ending kick by Mason Crosby. I think four great ones is just too much to ask. Maybe I I'm uh, I don't want to mess with the football guy. Well, if I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ride my uh, blowout calling hot streak of one, <laughs> where I called I mean, Tampa destroying Philly last week, and I'm going to tell you that once again Green Bay will roll San Francisco Friday night. Hey, quick note, guys. Uh, this coming down from Richard Deitch. Uh, Charles Davis out of the Cincinnati. Titans broadcast Trent Green in COVID protocols. Mm. Downgrade. If I going back to the the blow, if I had to pick a blowout, and I'm, I think they're all close, the blowout is Tennessee over Cincinnati. I and the reason for that is the trio: Julio Jones, AJ Brown, Derrick Henry, and then Tannehill quarterback. You've only seen 120 snaps of that. How do you prepare? Downing has a chance now to throw some wrinkles in with that personnel that no one defensively has seen all year. And he's had a week to prepare for it. There, if he's done his job right, there should be some wrinkles. And the wrinkles don't have to be big. They could be formationally. But just something that you haven't shown with the personnel you had because you couldn't do it, you now can with your full arsenal. And if the Titans come out and play their game and Burrow and, and company turn it over a couple times... This could easily be a double-digit spread. So you're not you're saying all four games will be close, but if you had all, to pick one, you think it's I, Titans. I think the easiest one for me to talk myself into is Titans Bengals of the of of the four matchups, uh, based on how I see the strengths of all the teams. Titans don't blow people out. Well, I mean, I just, I just they blew my, out my Buffalo and Kansas thing. City. Yeah, but you know what I'm I'm getting at. They haven't. They haven't lately. The Titans did not blow out Buffalo this year. No, they have in the past. They blew out. They blew out Kansas City. It was a long time ago, though. They blew out the Rams. They tend to get. Oh, to, the Rams. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they tend to to 
play close. It's it's kind of the, the a feature of their style of play. And if they get leads early, they really, unfortunately, turn it off in the second half, um, and and tend to say, okay, we've got this, and then let the other team hang around too much. Certainly what they did in Houston when they had a big lead and then let Danny Amendola come back and get him. I hope for Titans fans' sake it's the case. I like all close games, all drama. I'll take all the drama I can get. The other one could be Rams and Bucks, And just thinking about how the Rams match up and the firepower they have versus the short passing game of Tampa and the fact that Fournette's coming back and they've got to have him. I'll take that one as my potential blowout. Rams upset. For years, all the pressure was on Peyton Manning. And would he get one and then, okay, can he get the next one? And he finally did. He got it in Denver on his way out. And I wonder, the question going into the divisional round as we see him for the first time, is Rodgers in that territory? Is the same type of buzz around Aaron Rodgers about can he go get another one? with the Green Bay Packers, considering that this is the third straight year that they've won, what, 12 or more, 13 or more games? 13, three years in a row, I think. The standard seems to me to have changed. There seems to be no public pressure or outcry. There never was, to me, on Favre either. These two Green Bay quarterbacks, excellent, but they've never faced this crushing pressure that Manning, and I'm trying to think of somebody else that faced a lot of pressure before his second, Roethlisberger's, came in relatively short order. Um, Eli's came in relatively short order. So I, I, I don't know that there's a comp, but I don't feel like Aaron Rodgers faces that pressure to go get the second one. It's as if people say he's been so good that with or without the second ring, he's been so good. I think that there should be more pressure on Aaron Rodgers because he's been with the Packers his entire career and he only has one to show for it. I think what Peyton Manning did was far more impressive in that he had the bad injury, he goes to Denver, he kind of reinvents himself, and he has a record-breaking season where they don't win it, and then he ends up winning it as kind of a game manager right at the end of his career where he's clearly not himself and they've got a great defense. But winning a Super Bowl with two different franchises – Very impressive. We've seen Tom Brady now win multiple Super Bowls with one franchise and one with another one. And here's Aaron Rodgers, an all-time great, a top five quarterback all-time, probably by the time he retires. And he's got one Super Bowl playing in Green Bay, one of the preeminent organizations in all of sports for the entirety of his career. I'm with you, Paul. I don't sense the outward pressure on him or even the inward pressure. There should be a lot of pressure on him, though. This is big for him. This is big for his legacy to get a second Super Bowl. And he's going to be a Hall of Famer no no matter what. He's an all-time great. I'm not disputing any of that. But for him to truly be what I think Aaron Rodgers should be at the end of his career and most people that follow football would say, for him to be, he needs another Super Bowl. He needs to pass Brett Favre. He needs a second Super Bowl. This is the season to do it. Well, that organization needs a second win with him based on how successful they've yes. been through stretches. I mean, I, I think he feels – I think he puts the pressure on himself to do it. You it's know, the chip on his shoulder there. Well, I, I think it's not talked about a ton right now because at the same exact time, you have Brady leaving 
going to the NFC, and it's, the questions are, can he do it there without Belichick? That was kind of the focus last year. All right, but he did it. So now this year well, it should be about Rodgers. And it, well, it, this year has been about Rodgers, but for but not the is ring. this the swan song season? That's been it's been about Rodgers. He's made sure it's about Rodgers. Yeah. But the I think if he loses, if the Packers lose over the next two weeks, the attention turns to that. It is okay. He he Should. could only get one. How much of a disappointment is it that they didn't get more with him? Um, and he's also received the benefit of the doubt from Green Bay management, um, uh, from from the outsiders. The, the The focus has been on the management of Green Bay and how they didn't put enough weapons well, around he's done him. A good job def- creating that, which Tom somehow didn't do as well or we all knew it but usually that would be an anticipatory story not after the fact how disappointing he didn't do it but how disappointing it'll yeah, be but, if he doesn't do it well but, from a team achievement standpoint if Rodgers and the Packers don't win a second Super Bowl they are the Atlanta Braves of the 90s and early 2000s and I, everyone that followed the Braves or follows baseball would say very successful not great not great to only win one World Series in that stretch of winning all those division titles. I viewed this era of the Packers the exact same way. Well, for Successful, two of them, fun to for only the fans, get one ring each. Great player, only one Super Bowl, not good enough. Well, take the whole thing. Combine Favre and Rodgers. Two rings the whole time? Well, and the other for part that of it. Era? That's look crazy. at look at the other conference. You know, the Green Bay has been at the, the top of their division most of the years Rodgers been there. And on the flip side of things, for over a decade or two, nearly two decades, you had Brady, you had Manning and Roethlisberger competing for the. You had to go through that slate, that yep. gauntlet, and then also through the Ravens' defense to get there. So, and I'm not trying to downgrade the other quarterbacks, but I mean, but how many Matt more? Ryan making a Super Bowl isn't to me. That's not the same type of gauntlet as trying to go through what the AFC had to for it's Brady right. to accomplish what he did. It's Be a good there point. more not just, and win more. Yeah, not just winning it, but he, Getting they it. should have been to the Super Bowl more uh, without with, while dodging Brady, Manning, yeah, right. Roethlisberger, well, those Cam organizations. Newton's getting there. Mm-hmm. And San Francisco. Could, they beat, San Francisco beat Green Bay on their way to the title. Getting there. Or the, to contend for the title when they lost to the Chiefs. Um, all interesting questions going into the divisional round that set the stage for what's going to be a fun weekend. Coming up, Paul, we're going to do some audio investigating. Listen, the last home game, I believe it was the last home game, had an annoying fan near the press box. Dolphins? Yeah, this is kind of a Zapruder film audio. Zapruder audio. This is like the Nixon tapes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're going to hear. Except it's very unclear. It may, this may fail. I want to see. At first, I want you to just relate to what I endured and what I may endure on Saturday. Then I want to see if anybody could piece together what the hell this person's saying. This is Outkick 360. So PK's got some audio controversy from the Nissan Stadium press box or something that can be heard from his seat at the press box. Outkick 360 rolls on. We're spread out enough. We won't be this weekend because there's a huge crowd coming. But Wyatt's down on the far left. Uh, I'm a little bit over near, near... Joe Rex wrote at the Athletic and uh, John Glennon, SI, and David Beauclair. So we're all debating it. Why it was far over? He was doing it separately. He tweeted something about it, like asking for this to be identified. I got audio of it and sent it out, put it on my website, been meaning to share it with you guys. I, I 
I expect this kid, I presume this is a teenage boy. You tell me. I want to know, A, just how, how, how you would have sat through this for an entire game, and B, if you or anyone listening could tell me what this says. I understand the audio is not great. It's through a window. It's muffled from far away. Last word is fire. Fire. I have no idea what she's saying, but this is Titan Woman. It's very catchy, by the way. Yeah, and it's also... This is Wanda. It's pretty clearly a woman, not a teenage boy. I think it's a teenage boy. Teresa was like, why don't you go down there and find out? I'm like, i got to go down this long walkway and then down and over. This reminds me of Titan Woman, a famous uh, caller to our our show. um, And she... Wanda. she sounds just like this, and she is fired up for Titan's and fire. I think even if you were sitting next to Titan's woman, um, you wouldn't you be able to make know. out what yeah. she was saying. Uh, she would be chanting something that would be indecipherable yeah. for, to, to the, <laughs> different to the normal ear. It's just like a different culture. Her husband. Who was her husband? What was Jimmy. His name? Jimmy. Jimmy. Uh, he, she would give the full name, but Jimmy, the, I think her husband would know what she was saying, but no one else would be able okay, to. Okay, now it's bad enough that we had to endure this. If you're sitting next Paul, to this person. Paul, you were talking person, about first world problems, by the way. You're sitting in a press box at an NFL game. And, but if, oh, we had to sit through this person. If you're chanting. sitting next to this person what? through an entire NFL game, how are you not it's, jumping off the ledge? How are, it's like this us was, watching McEnroe and that we had that one yeah, woman. Well, she was entertaining. Well, I also, I, uh, <laughs> I weep uh, for journalism. <laughs> If all of you were talking about this for so long and it's occupied this headspace and not one of you, you know, put your head out the window or walked oh, around to go see. The window's a very You could have easily at halftime walked out, no. gone and seen who it was. It's not as come easy back as you with think. A We don't know if it's below us or above us. So you're talking about two decks. It would have been a hard investigation. Yeah, now, it, none of you can call yourself journalists anymore if you're not going to figure out who this is, if it's really bothering you in that. And also, I tried to, you have to know where it's Paul, coming no, from. Paul is no longer a journalist. I tried to audience source it. He's just a personality. He tried. He's done more than anyone else. He's well, tried to figure Paul, it out. But Paul, I mean, if, Fire! if you la, hear la, it, la, you know la, what, la, unless la, you're la, deaf, la, you know what direction la, it's coming la, from. You're saying, I don't know General if it's below. General direction. You don't understand that. You haven't been in that press box enough to know that these are just little slotted windows above you. There's very little. Yeah, you, you can't, it's not like you're opening a window you're and hearing getting a through, full uh, sense. It's very glass. muffled. That's all you have. That the person to do. is, if they're not right next to you, they are extremely loud. I know. Can you so sit next to them? I think they're going to be right next to you. What do you, you do somewhere? if you're sitting next to that? Because I'm not staying. Well, it reminds I'm, me I'm of the. Fighting. It reminds me I'm of not the Nice. The nice lady. Yeah, but at the she was fun. That's what I said. Yeah. We got wild entertainment out of that. Well, she was fun and Because we turned it into fun. Um, I couldn't turn that into fun. It's too shrill. I, I maintain. I think that's Titan Woman. I think it was her. I, I think that you should be. It was either her or Randy Moss. You should be either <laughs> removed from by security, or you should. That's great. Let's put that on every day. Uh, you and should say not be it's allowed Randy to do Moss. that over and over again. Like, I, I do think there should be security. <laughs> should you be able like, to? No. Should you be able to say over and over again that Randy Moss called your show? No. When that it's clearly not unlocked. Randy Moss. I think you should be removed by security if you do that as well. Yeah, I think you should be fired. To continue to not even in a joking way uh, perpetuate of lie, I, I think should be disallowed. Yeah. We Suspension. are back at I got it suspended for life. on Friday where we're going to have a full divisional round preview. In-depth, keys to each game. Uh, we get into a, a variety of topics to get you ready for Saturday and Sunday kickoffs. It's going to be a blast. Chad is headed to the mountains. The backwoods. Yeah. 
You're going to run into the person that was chanting that. Going to the Adirondacks this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Head north. Hey, just chant that the whole time. I will. La, 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 he does la, have a movie fire. theater, though. He's got a theater in the in the cabin, so we've got a theater the room. We got a theater room. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna have, have a big you time been in this cabin before? Games. Yes, that's good. We dude. go to the same cabin every year. Hit us up on God's Twitter speak. at Outkick three sixty. Enjoy the evening. Some college hoops action available. We'll preview football and all the NFL action tomorrow on Outkick three sixty. Get started on Taskmaster. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks.